0: This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Oh, I'm going to give these to you. Yeah. All right. Church, are y'all there? I know y'all are the ones who stayed out late last night, right? Yeah, that's why you came to 11, didn't you? All right. Well, wake up. So I'm Chris. I'm glad to be here. And um, this week, we are going to get this piece of technology to work. This week we're starting a series. Um, I don't know about you, but when I'm in conversation, I coach clergy and and congregations and and I've been in ministry a while and oh yes, children go. Sorry. Oh my gosh. I forgot to seat the people in the last service. They stood up the whole service after the offertory. No, not really. (laughs) I did that at a wedding one time. (laughs) It was hot. All right. I'm going to start over. Not really. So I am talking to people I hear over and over and listening doing a lot of listening these days and I, I hear us asking ourselves and one another over and over and over again how can I live a life of importance what can I do that is brings meaning I want my life to matter I want to make a difference I think we could also say, I don't hear people use this word much, but I could all, I can also hear people wondering, how can I be a part of a movement? The movement that is clean water, the movement that is housing for all, the movement that is love of all people. How can I be a part of something big and and great? Yeah, do anybody want to admit that you've asked yourself that question before? I could use some participation here. Yes, great. Yes, right. We do, we wonder. And so what better place to sort that out a little bit than in the church, to see what, what a movement of God looks like. How, could, how are movements of God marked? What are the movement markers when God is at work so that we can be sure to participate, so that we can enjoy our lives and live them to the fullest? God has been about movements the beginning of time, a movement of people is what has spread the good news of god's love throughout all creation throughout all eternity and so what a good thing for us to pause and take some time to see what that looks like so that again we can participate now if you I recognize that we uh, In this day and age, people who gather in church on Sunday come from a wide variety of experiences of church. In the United Methodist Church, we believe that, first of all, Scripture is first, right? And we also believe that we can sort of confirm what we sense God is up to by using tradition, some people might call that history, experience and reason. And so this series is going to have some of all of that, some history and some tradition and some experience and some scripture of course, so that we can hear the voices of the people that have gone before us and hear God's voice in our lives today to know whether, how, how we can participate in the movement of God. This week, we're g- going to happen to be looking at the movement of God through the eyes, uh, through the witness of the lives of some women. Listen, gentlemen, boys, don't check out. When I tell a story of a woman, you can think of a, this. I'd I, I re- rather you not think of a man, a man from scripture or history, but, and you can, right? Girls, don't get arrogant about this. Here's the deal. God created us guys and girls. God uses the witness of lives of guys and girls to forward God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. This happens to be a day we're going to look through the lens of some the lives of some women. Okay and we're going to start with the life of Susanna Wesley and first we're going to pray. God uh, come come Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of us, your faithful. Kindle in us this day the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit on this place so we might be created and you renew the face of the earth. Come now by the light of your Holy Spirit and instruct our hearts to be faithful. Grant that by your Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy your consolations. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, so let's start with Susanna Wesley. She's a historical person. I don't think we'd know much about Susanna Wesley if she hadn't birthed John Wesley and Charles Wesley, and they later wrote sermons and hymns and led a movement called Methodist, and we got books written about them and God's, move, God's work in the movement called the Methodist Church, and I'm thankful that we do. Here's what we know about Susanna Wesley. She was the daughter of a preacher. She was, listen to me, 24 fifth out of 25 children born to her parents. <laughs> Can you yeah, right? I got the same thing this morning at 9:35. Those people were barely awake, but they woke up on that. <laughs> they were like, "Ouch." Oh, man, she was the last. Can you imagine she had her parents had to be done parenting by the 25th child, right? They didn't warn her cuz she married a preacher. She married Samuel. Her she she married Samuel and they had 10 children that lived long lives. They actually she actually birthed 19 children. She homeschooled her children. She's a very strict disciplinarian. They went to school from 9 to noon. Listen, kids, the ones that are left in here. 9 to noon and 2 to 5. Every kid was in bed by 8. Every kid, everybody took a nap. You ate what was served to you, and you didn't complain. And everybody sat at the table. Parents. Everybody sat at the table and ate dinner. (sighs) That's... The table, not the table called Honda, Toyota, you know the one with chairs. Anyway, so they ate together. Uh, She taught her children to read. They all read by the time they were five years old. And what she taught them to read first and to memorize first was the Lord's Prayer. Can you imagine? I love it when I officiate a wedding. um, The after after the couple does their vows, exchanges their vows and rings, and it's official. They don't get to kiss first. In my in the weddings I officiate, the first thing we do is pray the Lord's prayer together, us and everyone gathered. Susanna Wesley, uh, that's what her kids did. That's how they learned uh, to to read, and that's the first thing they memorized. She and her husband Samuel uh, had had their problems. They were not a picture perfect couple. In fact, at one point in their marriage. Before the birth of John, they had a political disagreement. I forget the name. I I don't like all the details of history. You can look it up. They, They had a disagreement about who was in charge in England. He liked the king and she liked the other one and it was they separated literally separated and didn't come back together till that king died and he could see it her no well no (laughs) wait that wasn't in the notes was it no right they they had their trouble here here's what I'm trying to say this is an ordinary woman living an ordinary life she's trying to mother her children she's trying to keep them fed she's she's teaching them the ways of God, she's being faithful to God all the while. She had plenty of obstacles that came her way. The church was even an obstacle in her life sometimes. The death of children, harassment. The Wesley's experienced two house fires Two house fires in their life. I I have a friend who's experienced a house fire, and she describes it as the worst thing in her, the worst thing that's happened to her in her life. It was terrible. Single parenting, financial crisis. Um, the uh, the. In fact, in one of the house fires, I, this is pretty interesting. First of all, I'll go back for a minute. When she, Susanna and Samuel got back together after their separation, uh, God blessed them with John, right? John Wesley, the founder of what we now call Methodism. And in the fire, one of the house fires, John was the last kid left in the house. And he literally, he describes it in his um, autobiographical work. He was literally a brand plucked from the fire, right? And uh, so she, Susanna experienced lots of difficult things. But here's the thing. I don't think she had any idea the impact of the ordinariness of her life. She had no idea what John and Charles, what God would do through John and Charles. She had no idea what, the, what she was, the impact, the legacy of what she was doing. See, legacies like that, we don't know what we're a part of until we're long gone. I I see that even in my own family of origin. My husband's parents are deceased, and we talk about their legacy all the time. My parents are alive and we talk about it some, and I know that when they are no longer on this planet, we'll talk about their legacy more. It becomes more and more apparent, it seems, the further we are from it. So here's the thing, The, the movement marker we get from Susanna Wesley's life is that God does extraordinary things through ordinary ordinary people who remain faithful. Susanna, through thick and thin, through challenge and triumph, she remained faithful. Because of her ordinary life and her faithfulness, we have this quote from from her son. I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians in England. What what I don't have time to dig into today, I think Angelo is going to do it next week. John Wesley was a very learned and trained and scholarly person. He says the most he learned about following Christ, about living faithfully was from his mother. Right? So there we have it. Mar- the marker is, the movement marker is, God uses ordinary people doing ordinary things faithfully. God uses them in extraordinary ways. The extraordinary part is God's responsibility, not yours or mine. I hope that's a relief to you. I, hope, I know it's a relief to me that all I need to do is the ordinary things of my life. Okay. So before you think like we're just hooking up this cute theme to this history, let me point you to some scripture where you'll see this is God's way of making God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. First Samuel chapter one, we hear the story of Hannah. Here's how it goes. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. They went up year that went on year after year. Okay, well, we could pause right there and talk about provoking for a while. Year after year, Hannah faced the obstacle of provoking. If being barren wasn't enough, you know, it's hard in our culture to be barren. I have walked with women who struggle with fertility. And in Hannah's culture, they could disown her and shame her and publicly humiliate her. We probably do too in some less discreet ways, right, if we want to admit it. So here she is with the obstacle of barrenness. She's being provoked. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why do you not eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? She's in a marriage, and her husband doesn't understand where she's coming from. Once then, they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on a chair by the door of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, listen, listen to how honest Hannah is, the scripture tells us that she, her soul was bitter. In bitterness of soul, she wept much and she prayed to the Lord and she made a vow to the Lord. She said, "O Lord Almighty, if you, will not, if you will look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. You hear Hannah's promise? If you'll give me this son, if you'll give me this child that I am desperate for, when you do, God, I will give him back to you. Pause. Pause button. I, I, know, You're not going to believe this, but in a couple of months, I'm going to be a grandmother. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe. But anyway, it's true, and I can't deny it. And I cannot imagine when God finally blesses us with Jack's presence that I would ever be able to say, to take him to the temple. Hannah didn't just say, you know, we say in our baptism, in the baptism of our children, Lord, we give them to you. Hannah left the kid at the temple for the priest to raise and raise up. I I don't know about that. I don't know if I could face that obstacle and be faithful. Yet, Hannah was. She kept on praying to the Lord. Verse 12, I think is where I am. Uh, The priest observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. Oh, now you got a priest who won't believe you. I mean, your husband, your body, and now the priest thinks you're drunk. She says, uh, uh, Hannah was praying in her heart. I already said that. You're drunk. The priest even said to her, how long will you keep getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah said. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I haven't been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Finally, Eli hears her and he says, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked. And Hannah replied, may your servant, meaning her, find favor in your eyes. And she went on her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. You hear that story? An ordinary woman with an ordinary desire to have children who humbly and honestly remains faithful and speaks to God. Honestly and humbly. God, this is not going the way I want it to go. I am grieved. Please just give me the desires of my heart and I will give back to you. Childless in a Jewish culture, harassed over and over again. You think bullying started now, uh, uh-uh. was prominent now. We we heard about it from first Samuel. She was bullied, even the priests misunderstood her, and yet she remained honest. She remained present to the life that was right out in front of her. She had no idea that God would give her a child. And that, that that child, Samuel, would then be chosen by God to anoint kings like David, whose lineage would then produce a king like Jesus. When Hannah was praying, she had no idea that that is what her legacy would be. And yet, she prayed. An ordinary woman doing an ordinary thing, and God shows up in extraordinary ways. And then you can go to Lydia in Acts chapter 16. I'm going through this because I'm just showing you that this is God's way. We're not making it up. We're not trying, whoa, we're not trying, oh, we'll get that later. We're not trying to, we're not making this up. This is the way God works. Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. From Troas, we, Paul and Silas, they're on a missionary journey. They're on this trip. They're traveling, spreading the good news. We sailed the Strait of Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, a leading city of the district of Macedonia. It's kind of like we traveled uh, from the coast through through the... Eastern seaboard and to the central part, to the to the main place called Raleigh, to the main place called Wake County. Oh, and then we went by Apex and Holly Springs and Fuquay Varina. We went to all these places. We sat down and we began to speak to the woman, to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. You see what Lydia did? She's an ordinary businesswoman. She's gathering with her friends. They're hanging out. These guys come up. She extends welcome and hospitality, and the next thing you know, the gospel the good news of god spru- spreads throughout the known world an ordinary person remaining faithful doing her very ordinary things she was a dealer she was a business per- businesswoman before her time doing her job whatever it is whatever our jobs are selling insurance nursing mothering teaching being a student doing the ordinary things in faith worshiping God and God does extraordinary things without Lydia I'm not sure the good news gets spread beyond that section of the world at that time because of her ordinary act of hospitality we could talk about Mary we could talk about so many others in scripture and God continues that witness through our lives today these are distracting me anybody have a problem with distractions Yeah, they're distracting me, so I'm going to get them up. So today, even in our lives, God uses ordinary people like us. I remember a time when I was a student pastor. My first student pastor appointment was in Bailey, North Carolina. That's east of I-95, which a lot of people west of I-95 don't know anything about. But anyway, it's a really cool place. I was serving a little church there, and the lead pastor was a person who just let the student pastors do whatever they wanted to do. And one Sunday, he invited me to assist in in an infant baptism. And he didn't tell me what to do. Now, I'm a student. I was a student. I wanted some instructions. I didn't know. I was still learning. And so he called me up with the family to baptize the baby. And from what I've been told, when the baby was being baptized, I laid my hand on the baby's back. I have absolutely... No memory of that. I can only tell you that story today because that family told me that story. The family said the most meaningful part of our day in the baptism of our child was when you held our child, when you laid your hands on our baby's back. I, I, was, I, I don't even know that I did that. Without them telling me, you see what I'm saying? An ordinary thing in an ordinary way, out of faith and trust of God. I didn't have any instructions, no manual. I just did it. I had that that kind of favor of God returned to me one day, back back up in time before I answered the call to full time ministry. I was sorting it out. Oh God, it took a long time for God to sort that out with me. And I, you know, training is an important part of, of of this, this call and going to seminary. So I, I found a seminary that was affordable and seemed fine in Wilmore, Kentucky. And so I said to my husband one day, hey, Tom, do you think there's uh, anything any banking, he's in banking, any banking in Wilmore, Kentucky, he's like, oh no, I don't even know if they have banks in Kentucky, no, it wasn't quite like that, but anyway, it wasn't all that favorable, and uh, so I was like, oh crud, what do I do now, he, he, God's, obviously God's not moving that way, because he would bring Tom with me, right, and uh, so go to the church office, I was serving on staff as a lay person for children and youth, talking to the church secretary about it. And in bops, I feel, I feel a little more comfortable telling the story this way because Angelo's not in here today, but it wasn't him, but it was a really young guy. He was fresh out of seminary. Angelo's not, but he came bopping in with his khakis and his blue blazer and his tie, bow tie. And he says, well, I, I, I don't know why you wouldn't just go to Duke. And he walks out of the room. I'm to tell you before he said that, I Duke was not on my radar. I'm too dumb for Duke. I don't have enough money for Duke. Duke is a long way from Rocky Mount, North Carolina. I had two kids in elementary school at the time. All the reasons. He bops in, bops out. To this day, I've checked with that guy before. He has no memory of that conversation. I went to Duke, by the way. After that, I did. Finally, God was like, oh, go. And so I went. And, um, uh, that guy has no idea that he had that impact on my life. Absolutely no idea. So here's the thing, the movement marker. God uses us, ordinary people doing ordinary things. God's the, God's the extraordinary part of the equation. So, so be a student, be a golfer, be a mom, be a dad, be a brother, a sister, be a, be a banker, be an IT specialist, be a graphic designer, be a gamer. Faithfully, trusting God and letting go of the outcome. All these people let go of the outcome and trusted the outcome to God. Friends, we don't have to wonder. Uh, we, we need to let the pressure off of ourselves trying to do something great in life. Because God's already got that part. Our job our call is to be ordinary and faithful. There are some people in this room who are going to be ordinary and faithful starting tonight at Vacation Bible School, getting amped up, right? I want you, if you're serving or participating, come up while I keep talking. Come on, Vacation Bible School people, come forward right now while I'm talking. These ordinary people are going to do some ordinary things. They're going to laugh. They're going to sing. They're going to skip. They're going to eat. They're going to... Um, read. I don't know what all they're going to do. Act. Some of them have already drawn and colored and cut, and they're going to transform this space or that space over there, I guess, in a minute. Okay, so look at these people. Look at each other. Do you, any superstars here? I mean, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. (laughs) No. Thank God we don't have to be superstars, y'all. We're ordinary people, and they're going to do some ordinary things, and so we're going to commission them for that work. Cause God still does what God does the ways God does them. And that is extraordinary things for God's kingdom through people like us. So would you extend your hand to you people out there? Extend your hands this way as you feel comfortable and I'm gonna pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that uh, you still do your work the way you've always done your work through your favored creatures, us. Thank you that we don't have to make it extraordinary that that's your job. Use these people in ordinary ways, through ordinary means to to draw, to make a movement of your spirit come in this place this week. For all the kids that are coming, over 400, for all the volunteers and servant leaders over close to 200, Lord, we just give you thanks and we offer our lives to you. We pray that they will be a, a beautiful witness whether we get to see it or not to your glory and your work. Use us to amp up the volume and the presence of your spirit in this place, in this city, in our homes, and in the world around us. We know you will, God. So come on, show up and show off like only you can. You who are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.